I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. As regular listeners will know, in this podcast we explore every aspect of gardening. Plant care, growing your own fruit and vegetables, pest control, garden design, ideas for small spaces and much more. Plus, throughout the gardening year, we bring you seasonal advice and tips from RHS experts. This February edition is all about England's favourite flower, the rose. Our expert horticulturists from the garden team at RHS Wisley demonstrate how to choose, plant and care for your roses, whether they are bush, climbing or hybrid teas, to get beautiful blooms and spectacular scent. RHS advisors answer some of the most common questions gardeners ask about roses, and, as always, we give you the latest news on RHS events across the UK. But first, let's hear about some of the key tasks you can be tackling in your garden this month. I am Sheila Das. I'm a garden manager here at RHS Garden Wisley. I look after the students here and apprentices, as well as the fruit, veg and herb team, our seeds team and our garden volunteers. The garden in February is, uh, well, it's got a lot of interesting features at the moment, but in terms of jobs for February... It's really a time to start thinking about getting going with lots of seed sowing, preparation for vegetable growing, and that could include chitting your potato tubers. Uh, Chitting is a process whereby you encourage the shoots of your tubers to develop before you plant them so that they're ready to go when you put them in the ground. And that just involves sitting them under a bench, maybe in a glass house or a shed, just so that they're kept not too warm but frost-free and the buds start to develop before you actually plant them in March and April. Pruning wise, more ornamentally in the garden, it's a time to prune winter flowering shrubs that have finished flowering in February. You can also divide bulbs such as snowdrops that that you might want to then reposition and plant in and the term that is used is plant them in the green. So plant them with their leaves on. Other pruning jobs include wisteria and rose pruning, so climbing roses and all of your bush varieties and hardy evergreen hedges and renovating any overgrown deciduous hedges is a good time to do it in February and March. Herbaceous wise uh, your borders if you haven't cut them back already can get their severe cut back around this time of year. Uh, Deciduous grasses for example that you might have left uncut over winter for their winter form to sit in the frost can now be cut back ready to launch into the new growing season which feels like it's already starting. 
Wisterias are actually, generally speaking, really tough and can take quite a hard prune if you need to. Uh, we would never really encourage you to prune anything more about of a, than about a third of a, a plant material out of it. But wisterias are pruned in the same, similar fashion to apples, actually. So you can spur prune them to create flowering spurs. So these are little stems with uh, almost hand-like little branches coming off. So you've almost got, sort of, if you think of your hand um, cupped upwards and little fingers coming off of there and your flowering stems can can grow out of there so you're removing all of the long trailing stuff that's perhaps grown last year unless you want to train it in to create a new stem so there'll be some of those long stems that from previous year's growth that you want to train in to thicken up the structure of your plant but otherwise for flowering you're looking at creating little flowering spurs and you can do that at this time of year and then a subsequent prune later later in the summer can actually induce a second flowering for some species of wisteria Remember, you can find more information on all aspects of gardening techniques on the advice pages of the RHS website. There you can also watch video guides to key seasonal tasks. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. I'm Tony Dickerson and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Roses are one of the UK's most loved flowers and the subject of some of the most frequent inquiries the RHS Gardening Advice team receive. The rose displays at Wisley are stunning and require the careful maintenance of the horticultural teams. Each year they reassess the designs to make sure they make the maximum impact and perform their best. Visitors are always keen to ask the garden team about the secrets of Wisley's beautiful roses. Here's Matthew Pottage. So my name's Matthew Pottage and I'm the curator here at RHS Garden Wisley. Roses play a really important part of Wisley and roses play an important part of so many gardens and landscapes. And you do get a lot of seasonal interest out of them for a long period of time. That season is mainly from early summer, but it can go right through to the first frosts. And it's that scent and it's that display and it's that reliable, hardy plant. And when you think about it, there's not millions of shrubs that give that kind of performance. And because of that scent and because of it being a bit of an iconic English cottage garden plant, the visitors love them. And the rose garden always remains very popular at Wisley. We're kind of on our second real invention in my time here of rose gardening at Wisley. Rose gardens did appear here before they were on the current site, which is known as Weather Hill. And we've always had roses around a lot of our entrance terraces. The area that Geoffrey Jellicoe laid out with some of the wall gardens. We've got lovely old roses on those walls. And when you look at the bases of those, you can see they're very, very old plants. Uh, was in like 30, 40 years old. And they've been lovingly trained and are lovingly trained every year. The Weather Hill Rose Garden, before its current layout, used to be hybrid teas in beds. And they were mass planted of the same cultivars. And while hybrid teas do really pack a punch, they've got one, traditionally one very large flower on the end of a tall stem. When they do suffer with black spot or disease, you can end up with quite leggy plants quite quickly. And while the old display used to be very, very impressive at its peak, it was quite a short interest. So our current rose garden, the Bose Lion Rose Garden, when we laid that out again and started that from scratch, we've got many more mixes of rose groups. So it's hopefully quite educational to the visitor. I mean, there are hybrid teas in there, but there's ramblers. There's, there's a whole host of different roses on structures, on beds, your flower carpet series on the edges of beds. But they're planted in much bigger numbers and they're planted through grasses, shrubs, and other perennials. So that area of the garden now really starts, 
you can direct the visitor there and say, go and see the Rose Garden from about May time. And last year, I mean, it was still going well into October with some of the final blooms. So a longer season of interest. But on that kind of scale, it's a big piece of the garden. You do need big drifts. And we've almost, when we first laid that out, people were saying, you know, you're almost bedding out the roses. It's like they're perennials or like they're bedding plants. And some of the rose groups, you've got 20, 30 plants in a big display, in a big drift. But it does work on that kind of scale. So if you've not seen the Wizard of Bows Lion Rose Garden, it's an absolute treat through the summer. Lovely scented plants around circular lawns with curved benches in those lawns. So bring a picnic, choose a warm day and enjoy that display. Hi, so I'm Alex Wild. I've uh, worked at Wisley for three years. I mainly look after the rose gardens and I have a lot of uh, input in uh, the herbaceous plantings. Uh, one of my main areas is the country garden. Um, but today we're going to be looking at roses in more detail. I'm joined by Bob. Hi there, I'm Bob Beckerson, uh, team leader for the formal ornamental team at RHS Garden Wisley. Today we're uh, in the Bows Lion Rose Garden. Uh, this area was replanted in 2011. We've got approximately 4,000 roses here, 150 different uh, cultivars and types. Um, and in here we've got a combination with uh, herbaceous plants, so we have long big drifts of herbaceous plants with with roses and this this kind of planting scheme works really well it's getting really established here now it's and every year year on year it's looking really really good in here so we've currently uh, just coming towards the process of our winter prune of all the roses here at wisley um there's obviously not a flat not a lot of flower to see in fact there's no flower to see um and a lot of the roses have been pruned pretty hard um, in preparation for uh, giving them a spring feed which will happen probably towards the end of March um, and a mulch of bracken mulch uh, which we find pretty effective here. Generally at Wisley we prune our roses middle of February if it's a very frosty or very cold winter, you might want to uh, put this off uh, for a few weeks. It's really good if you can remove a lot of the old foliage from last year's growth. Uh, this harbours disease and pest problems, so you want to remove this and be as hygienic as possible so that for the, for the following growing season, you don't have fungus and pathogens that will infect your new foliage once they start into growth. Going through the growing season quite quickly, uh, we prune in February, we feed and mulch uh, usually middle of March uh, and then the roses start into uh, growth. Uh, when we get growth we get lots of lovely flowers usually starting around May, May to June depending on the season and from then onwards we, we have repeat flowering and, and we go through deadheading and uh, yeah so that's that's in general that's the, the the rose season it is a long flowering season and it is a, a high maintenance area to keep looking good all the time uh, but we do try our best. Being that we've got such a big garden here at Wisley uh, Rose Garden um, we've got lots of different types of roses from hybrid teas to shrub roses uh, to climbers uh, we've literally got the whole range here with our hybrid teas and shrub roses and the floribundas they've all been being pruned this February along with the climbers and ramblers that we haven't got around to doing yet which we would have started around October time um, and when you're pruning roses the general pr principles of pruning are quite similar but 
the different heights and the different amounts that you would take off each type of rose varies um, and so it's important when you're pruning your rose to identify what type of rose you've got um, and then consult a reference book for the exact style um, that you need to prune that rose. The winter months are the best time to plant roses um, because the season's dormant uh, and when you're looking to buy a rose you'd either be looking to buy something that's bare root or something that would be container grown. Bare root's a lot more cost effective whereas container grown you'll also find in the summer months so you can see what the actual flower looks like. Once you've chosen your type of rose you want to buy um, and you're ready to plant the first thing to do is obviously dig your planting hole um, and it's important to get the right depth here depth wise we would recommend uh, planting the rose to just below the union um, between the shoots and the roots and when you've got that you would before planting the rose you'd add some soil mycorrhiza directly to the roots which will um, promote a good relationship between the roots and the soil uh, once you've done that it's a case of adding the soil generally when you plant roses uh, they're heavy feeders so adding lots of compost material or humus rich material really helps to get them established well so we've got lots of lovely color combinations in the rose garden at Wisley um, we generally go for quite strong colours in the flowers to complement the, the roses. Uh, the roses will flower through from yellow to pink to, to quite bright reds and purples. Um, so we try to complement these with the herbaceous plants that we use within the garden. Um, we have some really nice strong flowered uh, daylilies some really nice forms of sedum we also use quite a few grasses here for autumn and winter structure and we've also got shrubs and and small trees which add that little bit of structure and height uh, into the garden top tips are try to keep your plants as clean as possible so prune out any of the dead diseased and old wood to encourage new wood to come through which will flower quite nicely um, try to keep the area as hygienic as possible so remove a lot of the dead diseased and old foliage feed them well in the spring and you know, they're heavy feeders you'll get lots of flowers forming from from the feed that you give them when you do plant them give them enough space to get established don't try and cram them in too much or cram other plants around them because they do need that bit of space to to fully grow and to fully perform and yes just in, just enjoy the flowers and the long season interest that they give you the only other thing i'd add to that would be um obviously deadheading over summertime just to keep uh, your flowers looking fresh and and attractive but obviously just don't deadhead if you've got once flowering varieties Bob Beckerson and Alex Ward from the garden team at Wisley in Surrey. You can find out more information and advice about roses on the RHS website. As well as roses, there are lots of attractions and events to enjoy in the RHS gardens in the coming weeks. Join us at the RHS Garden Hyde Hall between the 7th and 28th of March for an exhibition of winning images from the International Garden Photography of the Year competition. Each category includes a whole variety of photos from beautiful landscapes to fascinating gardens free with normal garden admission. All four of our gardens have events to celebrate Mother's Day and at RHS Garden Harlow Car on the 5th and 6th of March you can enjoy a wander around the garden to see the early spring flowers, 
and enter our photo competition for the chance to win a fabulous hamper. Are you new to gardening and unsure exactly what you should be doing when? Or are you a keen gardener wanting tips on your timings? Then get into gear for the coming season with our What Now? Spring Session at the RHS Garden Rosemore on the 9th of March. Spring topics covered include dividing and planting herbaceous perennials, spring shrub pruning, cutting back of ornamental grasses and dethatching of lawns, plus other topics of seasonal interest. If alpines rock your world, come and see the Alpine Society show at the RHS Garden Wisley on the 13th of March between 10am and 4pm, free with normal garden entry. There will be displays of alpine plants and bulbs, as well as photographs of alpines from around the world. And finally, don't forget the RHS London Rose Show on the 3rd and 4th of June. Full details of all events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash garden events list. Remember, if you're a member of the RHS, you get free entry to all four RHS gardens, plus the opportunity to buy priority tickets to the RHS flower shows. You can find out more about the benefits of becoming a member of the RHS and book tickets to shows and events on our website. The gift of RHS membership also makes a fantastic present for birthdays or for Mother's Day. Just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. As I mentioned, each year roses are the subject of some of the most inquiries we receive from RHS members. All over the UK, there are common issues that gardeners need our assistance with. We asked some of the advice team to join us to explain how to resolve some of the most frequently asked rose questions. Hello, I'm Lee Hunt. I'm Principal Horticulture Advisor and work as part of the advisory team here at RHS Garden Wisley. I'm Alex Wild, uh, one of the horticulturists here at Wisley. Uh, I work in the Jubilee Rose Garden. I also look after lots of the herbaceous plantings at Wisley. My name's Laurel Ems. I'm one of the horticultural advisors uh, here at Wisley and I have special interest in roses. Now, roses, obviously they've got a very long, um, illustrious history. For us at the RHS and the advisory service, they invariably uh, fight it out for the top spot. So apples and roses are our two favourite plants of our members asking about how to grow, what they should grow and the problems that they receive. This year, it is roses that are top. But if we look on a a wider scale, I think we recognise that roses have a much broader cultural um, heritage. And at the top of the list has got to be love, love and more love. Because if we take the classic Shakespeare line, roses by any other name would smell so sweet. It's such a classic line. And of course, just to remind us, it comes from Romeo and Juliet. And it is where Juliet is saying, she doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that uh, her love Romeo comes from the rival has the Montagues. It would he's one person. He's the same person that she loves, and that sort of has set the tone really for often how we feel about roses and their symbolism. So when we give red roses for Valentine's Day, it's very much harking back to that idea that roses are the flower of love. And indeed, in the book, the Victorian book, the language of flowers, that's what they say: red roses are love. But it's a relatively new association. Okay, we've known roses, roses like Rosa Gallica, the wild rose, for over 2,000 years in cultivation. But roses themselves, well, we had no cultivars, no varieties, as it were, until 1400. That rose is still with us. It's Rosa officinalis or Mundi. And it's that wonderful stripy rose that has one flush of flowers in June. 
by the, the 1730s, we know them from the Dutch flower paintings, of course, which is going to be a fantastic exhibition coming up at the National Gallery in London this April. You won't see them as one rose painting because other flowers fought out for our sort of horticultural passions. So things like pinks and auriculas were just as important. By the 1820s, though, roses were making the top spot. So it's from that point that we begin to see more rose breeding, more cultivars coming out. And oddly enough, when we talk about old roses, it's anything prior to 1867. So relatively recent in the history that I'm talking about that are classed as old roses. That explosion of rose breeding from the 1860s onwards very much tied in with uh, some of the, the classic pre-Raphaelite paintings that were coming out. So the very sensuous Venus Verticorda or Venus Turner of Hearts by Rossetti, which is down in the Russell Coates Gallery in Bournemouth, um, has roses all the way through it indicating Venus's sensual love. Another very classic artist, we couldn't forget uh, Charles Rennie Mackintosh with his cabbage roses and very stylized, which have been so popular for a very long time. Into the 20th century, we went from all those sumptuous shapes to the more formal hybrid tea with their very bright 60s colours, so classics like superstars. Since then, the, the shape and that one perfect bloom has rather merged back into a more cottagey ideal. So, of course, people like David Austin classically breeding roses with scent, form, very soft colours that go together. And that really brings us right up to today where whatever its name, we still love it. And I'm sure the roses will continue to be very much part of our gardens in the future. So let's get into some of the questions from our members. So Ashley Bigend has emailed in. My roses have dark spots with yellow rings on the leaves. Is this black spot? Is there a cure for it? Ideally non-chemical is preferred. How can I prevent it spreading to my other roses and my neighbours? So is that black spot? And if it is, obviously, it's a, we know it's a very common problem. So what we're going to do about it? Alex, you've got lots of roses out there, so probably you've got most experience of how black spots appear. So does this sound consistent to you? So uh, roses have lots of lots of problems associated with them. Um, the main ones are black spots, uh, powdery mildew. Uh, there's there's lots of sort of insects, pests that's, that can affect them. Um, but yes, this, this does sound like a black spot to me. If you've got black spots on the foliage um, with the yellow in, um, then it's probably a uh, black spot. The main way we deal with it here is uh, when we do the pruning in, in February, we remove as much of the, the foliage from last year as possible and just make sure that we start off with a nice, clean, hygienic area for the, for the new growing season. Uh, the spores on black spots uh, last about three weeks, so you do get reinfection quite quickly. Uh, so you have to be be very um on top of it really so we actually spray here we, we try and use a, a chemically low uh, environmentally friendly spray here so that we're not affecting the environment and we're not affecting healthy organisms that might help us and we we spray every three weeks or so in the growing season although black spot is very common i think that's the point people need to be aware that um 
probably most seasons they're going to see some of it some of the time particularly in later summer when the leaves are are old by that point and also um, the season becomes a bit damper you start to get those black spots appearing more prevalently and you can get defoliation as well where if it's really heavy you'll get some of the leaves dropping off so that there's an element of yes it's normal but if it gets really bad then it will affect the plant's health so Doing all the things that Alex has mentioned will definitely help keep it down. But then if you're um, not an organic gardener, there are plenty of options available. So you can go to a garden centre and get things like fungus fighter. One thing to be very careful of, some of the more general things like rose clear are actually meant to be used when there is pests present as well. So they're not meant to be used just for controlling black spot. They're meant to be for when both pests and disease are there. So if it's just black spot, do stick to something that's just going to cure that. Another thing to mention is a lot of the uh, rose breeders uh, notice this problem as well. And a lot of the rose breeding is to do with um, how good they are and how strong they are. So there's some really good rose breeders such as Friars and Cordes, which have produced some really strong, healthy looking roses, which will combat the black spot for longer in the season than some of the older varieties which weren't as strong um so one of my favorites is uh tickle pink which usually the foliage is fairly good and fairly strong all through the season this was a rose of the year 2007 um so awards and and uh stuff like that can help us to sort of hopefully choose a nice strong healthy rose um there's another uh, award called the gold standard and the roses in this there's there's some really really nice ones really strong growing really good foliage really really uh attractive flowers um and this this just helps us choose strong roses so choosing strong roses to start off with really helps with um how we we deal with them when they're growing as well as choosing uh, very healthy roses uh, you do need to remember that roses are both hungry and thirsty plants. And, of course, during the summer, the soil is dry and uh, they will suffer and consequently they will be more vulnerable to disease. So if you can grow your roses well, make sure the soil is fertile. Give them a good mulch in the spring with uh, well-rotted organic matter and feed them. Try feeding them in early in the spring and then again early summer. They should be a bit more resistant to disease. Uh, at least they can try and fight it off if they're growing well. Okay, our next questions come from W. Bull in Surrey. How and when can I best propagate my favourite roses, climbing and shrub types, or is it the same method for both? Commercially, roses tend to be grafted onto rootstocks. Now, this makes for quite a complicated process because, first of all, you've got to obtain a rootstock, and it, this is not so easy to do. Uh, it's the sort of thing where you can, in theory, get some briar roses and then start to bud your uh, little piece of the, the rose, basically the, the outer layer of um, stem, onto the, the rose rootstock. I think this generally is a bit too complicated. So much more simple method which works nicely for a lot of roses including the ones that have been requested here are uh, to take some cuttings in late summer for these you need some nice long shoots that have grown 
that summer. So you're looking for fresh ones. And by that time, they won't be sappy so much. They'll have firmed up a bit. You want good sort of nice long straight shoots, roughly around sort of uh, nine to 10 inches long or so coming up to about 30 centimetres long. And you might find that the, the top is very sappy. You would just cut that away and then you'll be left with a straight cut at the top and ideally um, uh, sort of a, an angle cut at the bottom. That's just so you know which way up they go then. You remove all but the top two leaves and then you can just take a spade, push it into the ground, wiggle it back and forth and that will give you what they call a slip trench. Um, unless you're on the lightest sandy soil, drizzle some um, sand in the bottom to aid drainage, push that cutting in so it's only just a few inches above the ground, i.e. those couple of leaves, and then you can get them about four to, to six inches apart, so about 10 to 15 centimetres apart in a row. Take lots. Ideally, the more you take, the more chance you're going to have success. Put your boot then back down the side to firm the soil back in, keep them nicely watered, if all goes well, they'll start to grow away in spring and by the following autumn to winter, they'll be ready for planting in their final position. So those are roses on their own roots. Sometimes that means they're slightly more or less vigorous than they, they would be on a rootstock. But generally speaking, it's the easiest way to get more of what you've got. Uh, Paul Ting writes in um, with a rather vexing question, actually. Which rose smells most of rose? Um, I presume by that he means the sort of typical old-fashioned sort of rosy scent that perhaps is associated with perfumes. And it, he says it's the heady scent which one usually associates with old roses. So uh, the laurel usually usually sent out lots of good roses when you're going around the garden. So what do you think would be great for this? Uh, if you are after an old-fashioned rose or one of the um, roses of antiquity, there are a number of them still available and have absolutely gorgeous scent. Um, mostly these are the centifolias, the gallicas and the damask roses, although there are plenty of others as well. Um, my favourite amongst those is, um, it, this is a personal choice because there are many scents of roses. You do have the fruity, very fruity scent, and there's also a, quite a musky scent, and it is a personal thing. I do prefer the fruity-scented type ones myself. Uh, Charles de Mills is a wonderful old Gallica rose and has fabulous perfume. Um, uh, Range of Violets is another one that's uh, a hybrid perpetual, and that is also has gorgeous scent. And one other I might choose is Fantin Latour, and that is a centifolia rose. But to be honest, with rose breeding as it's been over the last few years, you can get that wonderful scent of the old roses with more modern varieties. Uh, shrub roses, the David Austin shrub roses, are bred to have excellent scent. And I have to say that Gertrude Jekyll is probably the best scented rose in the world, but that's my personal opinion. Um, there are many others, uh, as mentioned earlier, Tickle Pink has good scent, and um, there are any number of modern roses that will um, be beautifully fragrant. 
Of course, it's always a good idea to walk around when you're in a rose nursery or a nursery that has a lot of roses. And when they're in flower, have a sniff and see which ones appeal to you. But certainly, you can't go wrong with a shrub rose. An English shrub rose will have mostly wonderful scent. Uh, Another of my favourites is Lady Emma Hamilton. And one other, Jude the Obscure. Alex, I bet when you were in the borders, you're bowled over at times when you're weeding and uh, pruning. So which ones do you find are particularly good? So as you can imagine, when I'm working in the uh, rose garden, there's a a lot of lovely fragrance going on. Um, Usually I... When people ask me what what's my favourite rose, I usually say have a walk around and see which ones take your fancy because lots of people like lots of different things. Uh, I like the more unusual ones. So um, there's one called hot chocolate, which has got some rusty orange, smoky, chocolatey brown coloured flowers. And I do think it smells slightly of chocolate. Some people would disagree with me, but I think it's a lovely, lovely scent. And it's slightly different to the old fashioned types. Um, Another one really good for a strong uh, scent is uh, Rose Sensation. Um, This has got lovely salmon pink flowers. It's a really good uh, hybrid tea form. Um, Really strong flowers, really lovely scent. The last one I will probably mention, we can go on for a long time with with different uh, scents of roses. Uh, Another nice fragrant one is uh, the David Austin uh, Rose uh, Rosemore. Old-fashioned scent, light, frilly, double clusters of flowers. Um, So if you want something more traditional, then that's a really good one to go for. The RHS Advice Team. Remember, as a member of the RHS, you can get advice on any gardening problem for free from our expert team by phone, post or email or in person at any of the RHS flower shows. So that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. 
With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced-rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 